maybe that's the direction of travel we've always seen, John, in terms of industrial revolution. Whereas instead of doing all the, the minor stuff, it goes up to the higher level where we can control the mass production of it. Where that's scary is sort of, of course, well, I don't know how that affects copywriters and how it affects a certain class of jobs. Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am psyched to welcome Joel Hughes to the show today. Joel is a friend of mine. He's also a team member. He is uh, the, the founder of Glass Mountains, which is a web support agency with clients in the UK and the US. And I am one of those clients. Don't know what I'd do without you. How you doing, Joel? I am good. I'm glad it's Friday. Yeah. And we love working with you, John. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, how how many years has it been now? See, don't ask me that because I'm yeah. terrible. My mm. my my brother has got one of those memories who can say exactly what happened and what year and that stuff. If I say, oh, it was probably five years, it's probably seven or eight. So I got I'm terrible with that kind of thing. I know we worked together for a good few years now. That's for sure. The funny thing is, like uh, from my childhood, I can remember specifically what year certain things happened, whether it's movies or. Mu or uh, uh, sports events, things like that, because of the songs that were out and the grade that I was in, right? So you had those things to, to kind of set a, a benchmark. Those things yeah. don't really exist for me now. Because <laughs> I still, I listen to all old music and I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm in like the 50th grade or something. I don't know what, what grade that would be, 40, 40th grade or something of school yeah i think i think that music i mean music in the charts was a very good way way marker again my my brother would be fantastic at saying what year and what month and what and all that stuff is and and he'll just get annoyed with me when he said when he'll ask me who was you know when was this song released and stuff stuff like that but i'm, I'm terrible with that but um yeah it, it's funny nowadays you don't have those those, those waypointers however i would say my 16 year old daughter was asking me yesterday dad have you got a, an lp player you know the, the vinyl player so and and she, I, I found she, she bought some CDs, CDs, yeah? I mean, remember these CDs? things? Oh, yeah. She bought, she bought some CDs of a band she liked, and it's specifically because she yeah. did actually want something tangible. So, you know, mm. we, we talk about the younger generation and that, but I mean, this, some of these formats maybe still got a bit of a like, you know? You know, I wasn't planning on going this direction, but <clears throat> I know you're also a music buff and you, you play the guitar uh you you do a lot of guitar stuff for for tiktok which is pretty cool uh check that out but now that you bring up like the cds so i i've been like selling old crap uh that i don't that i've kept in storage forever because i just realized like people buy stuff like on facebook mm -hmm. marketplace and one of the things i sold was my beloved mini disc player oh i used to have one of those yeah, so it was a mini disc player recorder. So that's what came after CDs. Never really caught on. Always felt like it was going to be the next big thing because it's like it's smaller. You can record on it. Of course, yeah. And it is something tangible. And um, so I, I kind of uh, was a little sad to see that go, but that was one of my favorite things back in the day. I had the first Sony M mini disc uh, Walkman, and I thought I was oh, a kid with that, John. I absolutely I love that. It was, was awesome. But you're right. It was a lovely format. That was a great little format. That was. Yeah. So we're going to have a true pubcast today, Joel. What are you drinking? This is I, actually it's um this is Corona this is Corona beer. This is I quite, oh, I quite it's like Corona? that one. Yeah. Okay. 
I could have it in the can, but I'm a glass person. I like a glass. Oh, no, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to the glass, too. Uh, I probably should have looked at what this was before I started pouring, and it's a really bad... I, I'm really... This is, like, historically bad. Like, every time I do this yeah, on the show, it's a bad... It might have something to do with the fact that this beer has been sitting in my fridge for a while, but then you'd expect it to be flat. Uh, I'm... I'm terrible pouring. I'm terrible. At it. Even though, even though I know you meant to tip it, but even when I do that, it just doesn't work. The tipping doesn't work for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking a, a manic confidence. And truthfully, when I first got this out, I looked at, I was like, confide and see. Yeah, it looks like it. Hmm. I thought that's what it was. It's manic confidence. I'm also like an IPA or something like it that. It is. Or a... It's a hazy enough IPA. Yeah. So. Um, this will, I'll try to drink through the foam. Cheers to you. <laughs> Cheers, John. Yeah. Glug, glug, glug. The, the work that you do with me, I mean, it's all web related stuff and I mean, I'll, I'll try not to leave anything out here, but it's, it's web design, it's AB testing, it's building pages, it's analytics, uh, Google analytics stuff, uh, pixel related stuff as well when I don't know how to do it. Anything I'm missing there that, or maybe other things that, that you guys do that you just don't do for me. No, well, I mean, obviously this, we look at the performance, we, we, we look at what's coming down the line in terms of like sometimes hosting might come up with a new facility. Like it doesn't apply to you, John, but like Cloudways announced today, another way of updating plugins. So we need to be on the ball with watching things like that. And of course, the website quickly goes onto other applications like um, with Keep and Infusionsoft. So there's there's a level of integration there that we need need to to know about. There's, you know, it's a, I mean, it's anything to do with the website and how the website interacts with 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 the outside world, really, because it's not an island, of course. And then, of course, there's facilities which wrap around the website, which is Cloudflare, which I think we chatted about earlier, which I've I've been a great advocate for that for 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 years. So that's a uh, uh, that, that is a great service, that is. Well, what is it you but, like about it? Um, initially, it's the simplicity. So obviously, the web works in the sense that if, if you want to go to a website, sort of bananas.com. Why have I got the bananas again? Bananas.com. <laughs> so, so, so when you type that into your browser, the browser itself has got to translate bananas.com into an IP address because it doesn't understand what domain names are. So if you get it set up correctly, the thing that translates that bananas into an IP could be Cloudflare. And the benefit of that then is that the, the requests go through Cloudflare, which means that it can do things like it can speed up things. But specifically for WordPress, uh, because there are certain attack patterns for WordPress sites, Cloudflare can protect your WordPress site without you messing around, without doing anything on the WordPress site itself without doing anything on your hosting, because you wrap it around this shell, you already can get protection from it. And that's just one thing that they do, John, because of course they got WordPress-specific um, optimization and so many other, other services. We've talked about one before, which is Zarez, which is right, a very right. fun, funky thing. But, well, but, but they, and we should, we should mention think, that briefly because it's, yeah. it's relevant to a lot of people uh, listening who've especially listened for Facebook ad stuff. I mean, that is one of the options out there. If you use Cloudflare for uh, the Pixel and API, um, that's just built in through Cloudflare, right? No extra charge I for it. Oh, completely, yeah. I'm sure that it was in beta, and 
I mean, Cloudflare is always very, always very affordable. So I think unless you've got a huge number of visiting to it's not going to be a problem. But yeah, so with Zares, you can just go there and you can set up your pixels or your Google, you know, Google Analytics or whatever, whatever pixels or scripts you want to embed. And you, and you do that within the Cloudflare interface. And again, because Cloudflare is seeing the requests first because it wraps around your website, it can embed those scripts in. And I love that. Because the less mucking around with your website, the less people who look after your website have got to put either they have, they've either got to embed the script or they've got to use a plugin. The simpler we can get that, the more manageable the 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 website is. And of course, you can put rules in and stuff. It's, I mean, your alternative there is your, is your Google Tag Manager, which is the same principle where we where we don't embed stuff directly on the website. We try and keep a, a cleaner separation of it. And Zares is a great. I, I think. They bought that company out maybe last year or maybe eighteen months ago, and they've and they've evolved the, the service. But that's that, that, that's a great thing to to use, definitely. Yeah, this is one of the things I'm trying to sort out, as you know, Joel. So I've always used Google Tag. Well, I'd say always. The last I don't know four or five years or so, I've used Google Tag Manager uh, for my Pixel. And I love it. It's super easy and you can create some custom events with some built-in triggers and stuff. That said, you know, it's really tempting to move over to Zares because I don't have to pay extra for the API and the API, if I'm going to use the API gateway, is going to be like a hundred bucks a month. Um, yeah. And is it really worth it? So I guess, <laughs> what do you say to people like me who are set up with the pixel on Google Tag Manager, but with but are using Cloudflare, is it worth that type of transition to a Zares? Well, I mean, there's a couple of factors. You've got some unique, very complex setups there, John, which are going to take yes. a while to unpick. So, you know, the reality is you're not going to make your, your hundred dollars a month saving on that in a, in a while. But but it's an interesting experiment. I mean. Your other angle you need to worry about, not worry about, to have on your radar, of course, is the whole transition to GA4. GA4 ties very close. It ties very closely to GTM. So if you take GTM out of the loop and GA4 mm. is very important to you, you probably don't want to do that. I know there are schools of thought which say you can't run GTM and Zara's at the same time. I've never seen a problem. I think if you have a strategy for, for, for doing it and you test it, a lot of these things can, can just work out. But certainly, GA4 looks even more embedded and, and direct with, 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 with GTM. So, Yeah, that, that's something I think we're going to have to talk about more offline because like, uh, my brain can't comprehend how it could, they could both work at the same time because it's basically firing the pixel twice the way I see it. Um, but neither here nor there. So you talked about mucking around on the site a bit. What, what are some of the biggest – like I'm sure when you – get a new client, you've probably seen some things as you jump into their mucked up websites for the first time. I mean, what, what are some common mistakes that we all make? I'm sure that I'm, I've made as well. Um, well, WordPress is a blessing and a curse because we can get pixels, we can get plugins and we can just throw them in there. The biggest, the biggest mistakes are just sort of having too many plugins in there, which are conflicting. WordPress is not updated. It's on, it's on poor quality hosting. We're not using things like Cloudflare. It's, as I say, it's a blessing rather than a curse because anyone can get a WordPress site up and running pretty quickly. But we, you know, if we get involved with the project, one of the first things that we do, John, is a complete audit, just sort of right now, what state is this WordPress site in? Because partially, because we've got to fireproof our, ourselves because 
if it's a complete mess and we have come across sites which are an absolute nightmare, if you just change one thing and something else breaks, then mm. who gets the finger pointed on it? So one of the things we'll do, we'll take a copy of the website, so we've got a local developed environment, and we'll, we'll, we'll clean it out as much as possible, you know, take away all the plugins which aren't used, because you'll find the clients installed things like, I don't know, Kissmetrics, or when that was around, or I don't mm. know, Hotjar, and they may well not be using these things anymore, and they're all adding to a performance load, so there's a lot of clearing out. So certainly things like plugins and stuff like that, you... I would really urge people to have a look through what they got running on there and go through it with a with a fine tooth comb because those things are just holding the website back in terms of performance and they are a security issue, you know? What makes it not a security a, issue? Updated. Well, some plugins <laughs> not created in a very... No, no, the code author will get the code out there as quickly as possible. Security tends to be the last thing that they put into the mix there. So yeah, the, more, the more code you add onto the website, the more mm -hmm. untrusted code, it's going to be a bigger target, which then goes back to what I said earlier, John, about getting Cloudflare wrapped around it. So at least get some protection from, from, from that. But uh, it's tricky. I mean, by all means, people can go in and audit the plugins. But like I mentioned earlier, you, people can embed scripts directly into the HTML if they ask, ask the developer, or um, it might be in GTM. Sometimes if we get pulled onto a project and they want us to, say, change the Google Analytics code, we've got to spend a couple of hours working out, where is this coming from? Uh, <sighs> only to find it's in a tag manager, some of that. So it's, and, and they don't know, John, because somebody who's now left the company right. did it on a whim on a Friday afternoon and they didn't document it. So they, they tend to be a wild west and they need a lot of structure and slow you know, slow, methodical thinking just to get it into a state where we can look after it. So I think certainly adding too much, too many plugins is 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 a, a, a very a normal crime. Normal crime, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I can uh, understand why it happens. Um, for example, like when when I was starting my site those early years, um, one of the one of the things that I do, and I'm sure a lot of people do this, is like what what are the ways that can make my site better and more powerful so you'll you'll google uh you know the best plugins that i need for my wordpress website and you'll go down this list lab oh all these links to all these various plugins like, oh that's powerful that's awesome i gotta do that too we start adding them and then the problem becomes um over the years like you you added all these plugins and you get like you, you talk about auditing it and I'm like, I know I added that plugin for a reason. Huh. Yeah. I don't remember why. And sometimes there's like, there's something that, that you created that relies on that plugin. And, and that's the one thing that I think about now. Well, first of all, I, I rarely add a plugin anymore because I know it'll freak you guys out. But uh, one of the reasons is um, like I would use short, short codes from a plugin. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, for an example, I think it was like the uh, like a tweet later kind of plugin, a social plugin yeah. where um, you would even craft what the the message was that would go in a tweet, and you I'd put it near the top, and you click that. It looked nice. You click on that, and it would open up a box to to tweet this message and promote that blog post. It was, it was kind of cool, but eventually it was like, okay, this is just one extra plugin. Let's remove it. Well, the result was. Now I had this short code near the top of all these blog posts where I was adding it and I wasn't adding it on every blog post. No. So it's things like that. Be like, before you add a plugin, 
will it require you to add short codes all over your website that you now have to chase down and remove because they're no longer going to work when you take that plugin off? And that's another thing too that we don't really think about at the time when we add it. No, I mean, obviously, if the plugin was um, was helpful, it might say I'm being used on these pages. But of course, it doesn't say that because it's going to play to the strength of, look, if you don't know when I'm used, I, I'm probably going to stay stay active, which then works for for its stats. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a problem with these. With, with I mean, You've got to bear in mind, of course, that all of these plugins then, they need to be updated for the latest versions of WordPress because all of a sudden we've got a critical path then of the more code we add in, the more it's just got to work out the box as WordPress gets, gets updated. And it's it just doesn't work all the time. I mean, we, we, we see it a lot with WordPress, with WooCommerce websites. With, you know, WooCommerce is a huge plugin. It's got so mm. many sub-plugins that as, you know, as WordPress gets updated, I don't know, shipping rules just break or something like that. And it's just the nature of, of the beast. And you could get cross about that and you could get annoyed because it's going to take a developer to go in and, and fix it. But the reality is, John, that... To build things like WooCommerce and, and the plugins from scratch is a massive project. So mm. you just got to take the rough with the smooth. Look, I'm getting all of this functionality off the shelf, and sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes I need to get somebody to help with it. That's still a million times better than having to write that stuff from, from scratch. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's the, the balance, right, that, that we have to figure out. Because, yes, every plugin we add, and some more than others, are going to slow down our website. They're gonna add functionality to make it potentially better. In the meantime, it does add risk that you didn't have before. Yeah. So that's why, you know, where possible, you know, that's like, even when we talk about solutions for managing the pixel and the API, that's where, where possible using something like Google Tag Manager or the um, Cloudflare or as solution where you're not throwing in another plugin that slows down the website, it's, it's separate of that, um, is ideal. But there's a balance there as well, because plugins are so easy. Yeah, usually. they're easy. I mean, another you talk about mistakes people make. A lot of mistakes people make when they approach WordPress and plugins is that you know, they think it's a magic bullet. But going back to the point I said earlier where you know, you're not developing the code, if you get plugins, Look, you're going to have to play to the strengths of what that plugin does. You've got to live with the constraints of that plugin. You, you can't say, oh, well, I like that plugin, but I'd like it to do X, Y, and Z. Well, you're not going to do it unless you rewrite it. So if you're going to get things off the shelf prepackaged for a fraction of the cost that it, that it, that it takes to, um, to develop it, you've got to live with those constraints. So like, let's say you you were creating a membership portal. Well, that is not going to work exactly as you want it to work. You're best off finding out what plugins are available and mm -hmm. then working your requirements that way so so many clients who come to me sometimes with requirements i've got to say yeah yeah but you've got to have to pay for the strengths of the client if you want it exactly the way you you want mm -hmm. it that's fine we will we will create it bespoke and it'll be 10 to 20 times plus more expensive than that that quickly changes people's mind i mean i want people to have the solution that they want but you've got to be realistic about it you know cheers you mentioned before that one of your favorite solutions is cloudflare um are there other tools or uh, plugins? And we talk about plugins, but there's there's good plugins too. That yeah. that people that are great solutions that people should look into that will help the performance or add functionality uh, that you find yourself adding regularly just because it's so great. 
Oh, I wish I'd made a list, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to miss things out. But I'll just give you a few ideas of something. For starters, depending on your hosting environment, because this is where it gets slightly tricky. You want a security plugin in there. You've got mm. your iThings. You know, there's this this there's security in places like that. And security's got its own kind of version of Cloudflare. But certainly, you want to get some kind of security plugin in there. And and doing that, you probably want to work out how to configure it because those things tend to be. You know, don't just install it. Have a little think through it. Um, another plugin I can think of off the top of my my head is is Duo app, and they're owned by Cisco, and um, that's a two factor authentication system where, as you log in, it sends a blip to your phone, and you just click yes or or, or no. There's plenty of these two factor systems where they can send a code and all that stuff, but this happens to be a very friendly, and, I, and it, this works really really well, and. Two-factor authentication is such an important step for people with WordPress sites to take because, of course, it means that hackers certainly need more than a username and password to gain entry to your website. So two-factor authentication, absolute killer. Um, another one I think we use, and probably it's more, uh, probably on, on John Numa, I like to use a, a documentation plugin because... Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's because... May we would normally create a custom theme like John Luma, you know, yours is a custom theme because you know, your brand is unique. So I don't like to, you know, we don't like to fill in the blanks with an off the shelf theme. Life's too short for that. I think you've got to create a more where, where you can create a more polished theme. That then raises the issue that it's not always straightforward. Well, how do I update the social media links or how do I do X, Y, and Z? So what we try and do is to, is to embed documentation, probably like a screencast within the back end of the, of the website. So you or whoever, you know, all the other clients, their admin teams can go in there and look and, and re remind themselves how, how, how to, to do whatever is needed. That's a very good plugin. Um, you've got to give a shout out to Yoast. Um, I, I, I think sometimes people think it's a silver bullet and it, and it massively improves the SEO. I don't, I don't think it's quite that case. It's got some great facilities, certainly even the free one. Um, I like the fact that when you're in Yoast, you can play around with your slug and all that stuff, and you can see, and it'll give you a preview of how it'll look on Google, Google Search. I think that right. that's that that alone is a nice thing to have. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic about it too much. I'll give a shout out to the Cloudflare plugin because, of course, you no, know, I, I, I I'm not getting paid by Cloudflare, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 I must say that a thousand times. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's. The, oh, the, I wish I knew the name of this one as well, John. But there's a there's a plugin. I can't. I, if I if you want me to get it for the show notes, that's fine. There's a plugin where you can add a custom column to say your pages and stuff like that, and um, and you can put your unique notes in there. Like sometimes I found this on the Glass hmm. Mountains website. I would have a load of thank you pages for things like Stripe callbacks, and and the name was just thank you or something like that. Well, right. I have no idea what that means. Whereas yeah. you could put it in this other meta field, and I would say um, event event booking, thank you, or something like that. Yeah. So that that and again, that's useful from a management point of view of looking after the the website. But um, yeah, there's there's plenty of good plugins. I think when you install a plugin, make sure it looks like it's been updated recently. If it says it hasn't been updated yeah. in two years, I mean, yeah. come on, don't just install that. That's just nuts. Yeah. Right. Cheers. Earlier, you touched on briefly Google Analytics in relationship to Google Tag Manager. So I've been getting this war <laughs> this warning in my Google Analytics for the last year, Joel, about uh -huh. switching over to GA4. And I know we have it set up 
or at least partially set up on my sites. Um, what do people need to know about GA4? What do we got to do about it? Well, okay. So there are a few <laughs> things to know, of course. Right. So um, Universal Analytics, the old version, yeah. is, is, is just stopping this year. The data processing is stopping. Is it July, something like that? Yes, and, July, yeah. Yeah, July. Which means that if you're relying on it now, a backup plan in place. So the reason you've got GA4 running, even though we're not actively doing much with GA4, is that when, when we come to the 1st of, of July, you'll be able to run a year's worth of reports. Whereas, of course, if people suddenly switch over on the 1st of July, they will have no data. The reason they'll have no data is because Universal Analytics and GA4 are completely different beasts built for a different time. Under the hood, Universal Analytics, I mean, that, that was an urchin software, which Google built, bought, wasn't it? Something along those lines. I think, I think you used to see the urchin word in, in, in the actual script. But irrespective, it was built for a different time. And we know those times have changed with, with privacy and, you know, iOS 13 and, and all that kind of thing. So that's one reason why we simply can't say, well, that's fine. Let's export all our session data out of uh, Universal Analytics and put it in GA4. That is not going to fly. That doesn't work. You can export your data out of Universal Analytics and you can put it into spreadsheets, you can put it into, into SQL query, so you can process it and stuff like that, but you're not putting it into GA4 because that's not how that system works. It's a completely different beast. Yeah. Uh, probably created for the, the multi-touch world where we've got apps, where we've got websites, probably created more in light of, of the privacy-aware world that we live in, even though I wouldn't say out of the box, it's GDPR and CCPA and all that kind of stuff. Uh, compliant it's um it's it's certainly a different beast but you want to get at, at least do kind of what we did with you I mean, we, we did a little bit more but you want to get ga4 up and running in some kind of fashion so it's tracking a bit of data for you yeah and look it is a, a bit of an adjustment um if, if anyone's like me who is kind of a creature of habit and you have your routines like i have used Google Universal Analytics every day for you know the last 11 years or whatever 12 years and it's not as simple as like oh just it's like an upgrade an update um, everything is a little different setting up the conversions is different um, yet it's, it doesn't just automatically pour it over I don't believe um, whatever nope. uh, basically the goals that you had set up before we're not using goals anymore it measures uh -huh. it differently, John. I mean, right. everything's event everything's event based in GA4. I mean, page views are events. It's it's a different language in that sense. It, it thinks about mm -hmm. things differently, which is why you just can't convert those things. But to be honest, John, I think that's an opportunity because going back to the problems we have earlier when we inherit websites, things like Google Analytics tend to be a mess with fragments mm -hmm. of goals which were working one time which weren't changed, which aren't measured. So like anything it's a good opportunity to go hang on a minute what are we trying to measure on this website and what is the best way to go about that so it's there is a there is an opportunity i'm gonna be optimistic about it as well okay and this is gonna this is probably gonna end up being something we need to talk about offline but like is so will google tag manager and, and ga4 talk to one another where every time i create a new event in google tag manager can we make that be an event in GA4, uh, how is this going to work to make yeah, we'll it as that, easy for me as possible? We'll take we'll take that offline, but I think probably what we will do, we'll do some testing first, whether that's on a test website or a test GTM container. 
we've got a bit of time to get some of that stuff working, but yeah, a little bit of offline testing will, will, will help us there. But as I said earlier, GTM and GA4 go hand in hand. So right. we will be able to make it work even, even with your more complex setup. So for anyone who hasn't flipped over yet, I mean, just starting the transition, are there any just initial things they, they need to do, be aware of, or any resources they should use to, because I don't think it's, it's all that easy, right? Well, I think there's normally a wizard or something within Google Analytics to help set that up. Although I was speaking to Yan Jan earlier, JJ. <laughs> I was speaking to JJ Inside earlier. Inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> I was speaking to JJ earlier, and he was saying the, um, there was an out-of-the-box uh, solution to set it up within, um, within Universal. But I think he was saying that just makes it kick in on the 1st of July. So that doesn't give you any retrospective data. So I'm not even so I'm not hmm. sure if that route. I mean, that, don't get me wrong. That that's better than having a window of of lost data. But uh, you know, ideally, you want to get. You know, it's the they call them streams now. With I think within within GA4, you you you, you want to get that tracking ASAP. Yeah. I mean, ideally, it would have been from the first of July last year. So we could, you, you'd have a year's worth of of reports that that you, that you can do, and and you will have that. I'm panicking a little bit here as you talk about. We're, it, the Google Analytics or the Universal Analytics will stop working, I assume, but we're not going to lose that historical data, are we? No, but, you, but we probably want to download it or think about how you want to process it. Because I've got lots and lots of years of data that I like to refer back to every once in a while. So I'm just curious. No. So, so that'll be another project of, yeah, I, I, it's not going to go away the data, certainly not immediately, but it'll be worth, again, offline, let's have a little sub-project <laughs> to see how you want to process that, you know? Bottoms up. The one thing that we've briefly discussed in the past, um, and I know everyone's talking about it, is AI. Oh. Um, so if we, we can't get through a discussion without talking about it these days because it impacts everything. It impacts our websites. It impacts our marketing as well. So... Does it excite you? Does it scare you when you think about the, the possibilities with AI related to websites? I mean, what comes to mind for you? It's a fascinating topic, isn't it? I mean, whenever yeah. I've played down, around with chat GPT, have I got that right, John? You got it right. Good. Chat yeah. GPT, it's not Yay. chat GTP, which <laughs> I've said many times, even though I do know which is right. It yeah. doesn't slide off the tongue right, yeah. Whenever I've played with it, I've been very impressed with, with how it goes. But, you know, you've got to bear in mind sometimes, you know, we're, treat, we're, we're treating it like a magic box. And I, I think if you want to see magic, you will see magic. Whereas mm. if, if, like anything, they get used to some of the queries and they know, I know it's almost too easy to think there's magic going on there. Whereas mm. it's, uh, I, does it excite me? I, I don't know. I mean, I see adverts popping up for, AI will write your website copy. I, yeah. I just, it, it just depresses me a bit, John. You know, I think, all right, maybe that is the way forward. And maybe they, they can split test AI copy against human copy and maybe the AI copy right. against, but I, I, think, I think we lose something of our humanity by, by, by doing that. Um, it's got its place, I'm sure. I mean, in, for split testing, for example, why not? On a very high traffic website, people have been using systems to generate copy for years. 
for that kind of thing. If AI can help with that and create its own little feedback loop to improve it, brilliant. Um, whole websites written by AI, I don't know. It just completely depresses me. I'm not sure. Yeah, look, as someone who's spent 12 years writing about 1,200 blog posts, uh, it definitely depresses me a little bit thinking that someone could throw that together in a day, you know. Well, yeah, but, potentially. but how can it, I mean, let's say meta changes, I mean, <clears throat> the, the whole meta ver verified thing, CPT can't suddenly write the, write the latest article on, on, on that, can it? Well, ChatGPT, so to me, this is less about what AI and stuff like ChatGPT can do now yeah. and what it's going to do here within the next year, two years, three years, because I think a lot of people misunderstand, like when I talk about ChatGPT and AI and like excitement about it or, you know, the possibilities with it, people are, some people are quick to point out the weaknesses of its, oh, but it just goes through 2021 or it gives yeah. you wrong answers. And that's like, yes, yeah. all this stuff is true. I, I'm not saying write your website with, with uh, ChatGPT and AI today. I'm just saying the future is likely AI generated content because it's going to get better. Um, so, you know, but yeah, it is a battle for me personally because uh, potentially someone could create a, you know, a good website in a matter of minutes, maybe hours, days, uh, that's similar to what I created in 12 years, you know? Um, but, 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 but Google, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, Google, Google, no, you created a website in 12 years. You've got authority, which a new website on, on AI generated content. You can't, you can't make that up overnight. I mean, it's, no. they, they will, they, they will have different factors, of course, but I mean, yeah, As always. you've got authority there. There's a, yeah, this is, this is something, again, I try to separate my creator brain and like, uh, my ego from, you know, this is a user consumer as well. So there's been a lot of talk about, you know, does it matter? Should Google care whether something was AI generated? First of all, that, I think that becomes a, I'm not gonna call it a slippery slope, but like at what point is it AI generated, right? Well, You've got detectors. Yeah. Is it 100% AI generated? We know it is. Do you have a few headlines? Just a little bit of the text. It looks like it could be. That's gonna be really tough to police. Honestly. Oh my God, John! AI content de detector—that sounds like an arms race, which is never going to happen. You know, no. it's just going to yeah. Do not go down that route. I mean, it's it's just not right. going to happen either. So, so at the end of the day, the only thing that Google and Bing and all the search engines and even users should care about is: was this piece of content more helpful to you, or was this content more helpful to you? And if it ends up being that the AI-generated piece of content was more helpful to you than my content was. I lose. And um, I don't think that just because it was generated by AI that um, it should be dinged. If it is accurate, if it was well written, if it answers the person's question, I mean, how am I to argue with that? And, and, and to go back to our point, John, I don't think they can ding it. I don't, I don't yeah. think they will be able to tell. You know, they won't be able to tell it's AI generated. All they'll be looking at is sort of, is it getting more clicks? Is it holding more attention? And, and this is a look, this is a long conversation by itself, but like it, if everyone could create AI generated websites, that also raises the bar because all of a sudden everybody's website is the same. So what is it 
that separates your AI generated website from this other AI generated website. Um, that's not going to be exactly worded the same and whatnot, but, yeah. but how, you know, how is it that you can add more value? So whether that's through being human as well, because I, I still think that ultimately as, as marketers, content marketers, creators, we can't ignore AI. We should use AI, leverage it to make us better at what we do, however that ends up coming about. Yeah, I think, I mean, how is it going to go? I mean, how we control the inputs to the AI we use has got to be key, isn't it? I mean, let's say you're an organization with, with brand, tone of voice and values. Mm. We would want to feed that into the AI to, make, to create on-brand content. So how right. we control the input, and, and maybe, maybe that's the direction of travel we've always seen, John, in terms of industrial revolution, whereas instead of doing all the, the minor stuff, it goes up to, to, to the higher level where we can control the mass production of it. Right. That's where that's scary is sort of, of course, well, I don't know how that affects copywriters and, and AI as a general rule, how it affects a certain class of jobs. And, and if it ends up affecting websites, I don't know, that obviously affects companies like mine. So it's, we can't be, you know, we can't be dismissive of it because it's frightening in no. terms of the disruption that's coming because that disruption is coming whether we like it or not. Yeah. And look, I don't want to be dismissive of the fact that it could impact copywriters in particular and look artists we've been hearing that complaint as well artists yeah AI generate. but i think it, it's important to remember first of all that with each new big innovation i think the last time would probably be the internet it's disruptive it's disruptive of jobs so um if you were to go back and look at what jobs were like in 1990 like a marketing job in 1990 surely that are jobs that are jobs that were performed then that either don't exist anymore yeah. or exist very differently. Uh, if you completely ignore the internet, you probably don't have a job <laughs> if you're in marketing, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing, like I don't say the same thing, but a similar argument for me is that, okay, how do you leverage the internet to make you better at your job? And the internet is also generating new jobs, looking for experts like you, uh, who, who are good with the internet and building websites and whatnot. Same kind of thing will come out of AI and totally. then it, it will change your job. Absolutely. If you try to keep doing the things the way you've always done them, you will probably be left behind in certain fields more than others. Um, and it's going to create some new jobs too, because we're going to need those experts. So, um, I totally get the pain. And the fear, look, it should be from anybody in our marketing field, honestly. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like uh, you can embrace this and use it and be ahead of everybody else. Or you can just be angry and scared about it and let everyone pass you by. That's the way I see it. Yeah. The, yeah I mean, you can't hold back the tide of it. So it's got to, you know, as you get over that fear, sort of how is it going to affect and, and then be prepared for it. I mean, from, from my perspective, sort of. Over the years, we are seeing a decline in organic traffic as we got things like zero click um, results in Google. So we're almost seeing that world where Google are trying to sort of answer the questions direct on, on SERPs, which could be via voice or any, anything like that. But so, may, so maybe then where websites used to serve any query, maybe their, their reason changes slightly. It's to, it's to serve different types of query. It's to, it's to end up being the intellectual property showcase for for knowledge makers. So it's a different kind of beast that 
than it was before. It's, I, I think people still need to own their property, mm-hmm. but how, you know, how websites, because I mean, that's how I look at the world moment, how, how websites will look in that kind of more AI world, I'm not quite sure yet, but I mean, mm-hmm. I think you still definitely need a way, well, who does know, uh, crystal mm-hmm. ball. You still need to hold a, a method of explaining what your, your intellectual property is, because of course, those are the things which are going to feed into AI in the, you know, uh, ultimately. And I think, you know, we've kind of chatted on this before with, with things like zero clicks, there's always been a worry, a worry in SEO because this people are being robbed of traffic. I would like to think under the surface with things like zero clicks, Google are going, look, we know that source website is very authoritative. So we're going to make sure their rankings are, are, are raised in some way because we know they're, they're, they're losing traffic on, on your zero click results. I would like to think the same logic makes sense if, if AI starts to answer more of those questions because they have to be drawing on a knowledge base from, right. from somewhere. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of like the endless cycle that um, I've talked about before that Google or whoever, whomever is still drawing from web-generated content. If all of a sudden there's no referral traffic and websites are losing traffic, they may be less motivated to create their own content which is what feeds that that engine in the first place. And it's, yeah, it's all kind of a mess. But you're right that we've kind of been headed in this direction for a while. And it is a bit of a lesson, right? So it's a lesson that I didn't really heed um, because it felt like I was just going to always get uh, five to 10,000 referrals from Google every single day in, uh, for forever, uh, Joel. And uh over the last few years or a couple of years, especially it's dropped down to a thousand and look, there are lots of reasons behind that. Some of it that's probably self-inflicted, but in, I'd love to see some overall stats like globally, you know, how referrals have been impacted, but it's true. Uh, the zero click stuff um, has been bringing us down this path. So we need to be prepared for, okay, what happens if we end up, if I end up losing another thousand clicks per day, what do I, how do I replace that? What do I do? Does it matter? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, ultimately, your long form, well researched, important content, it's about getting people to that content. The content's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I wouldn't think I want to stop people like you succeeding because that doesn't make sense to them as well. Because that, that bites the hand that feeds it, that they don't have data to embed them. So I, I mean, this isn't a problem, I don't think you think in, in isolation, but how, how does it work? I don't know, I think it, go, it goes back to the point that you made earlier, sort of, well, we need to look at the new ways of doing it. I mean, I know you're, you're doing a lot, on, a lot on TikTok now, thinking about how, what is the face of, of uh, my business now? How do I take it to new battlegrounds, you know? Yeah, and it truly is looking at things a little bit differently that in the past, anyone who was kind of analytically focused like I am, Video didn't make a lot of sense because you can't track, okay, people, somebody watched this video and then because they've been watching all these videos over time, they went and go on my website and they signed up for something. There's just no tracking for that. So as a result, like, like why would I do that? I can't track yeah. that. I can't prove that it works. But the reality is that that's really kind of where we need to be, um, especially if our website's not gonna be getting that traffic that we're used to. Last call. The only constant has changed, John. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have any anything left to, in your glass there? 
No, I, I got a timing drop. I might, I might pull okay. myself up in a minute. But... Uh, I've asked the, the bartender for our tabs. So hold on. Uh, okay, we better, we better sort of finish up. Tiny drop left. That's good. Uh, well, thanks for joining me again uh, for for the first time here, Joel. Oh, um, always fascinating talking to you. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, okay. So if you go to www.glassmountains.co.uk, you will spot some of our smiley faces on on, on the front of, of of the website. And yeah, if you got any problems with your with your WordPress site, you need some ongoing support, we can certainly help you. And where do they go for guitar tips? Oh wow! I wouldn't say go to guitar. <laughs> I am a fairly mediocre guitar player and an even worse singer. But because I wanted to find out about TikTok, I thought I need a single purpose to focus on there. Otherwise, I'm just doing the same on Facebook and so I didn't want to do that. So I got one of my guitars. I got, I got a few guitars, and that has been my focus of doing it. And I tell you what, it's been wonderful because. You, know, you find a tribe of people who are doing the same as you. You know, they're not fantastic mm -hmm. on guitar or singing, and you start you start sharing and talking. I mean, it's small things, John. Like, I, I I've come across songs which are which are really good on acoustic guitar, which I've never heard of before. So that's been fun, and it's been a really good vehicle for um for finding out about TikTok, which is a fascinating platform. It's really it interesting. Is. But yeah, I'm on there as the Joel Hughes. So if you want to see songs play. I wouldn't say fantastically between oh, zero and ten. Let, let's go for a, for a, for about a three. But it's good fun. I, I'm I like I like I'm enjoying it and I'm finding out about the platform. I mean, honestly, I see it as a really good lesson for how to jump into short form video. Like you've got you've got something to share. Uh, you don't have to be a, a ten on a scale of one to ten on, on something, but it's something that you are passionate about. Whether you're talking about it uh performing it whatever it is um there are other people like you who are going to care about that so and it gives uh, you infinite amount of content right possibilities but, well, i mean it's fun john but it kind of goes by i think you're very good at this you're very good at going well i'm going to have a go of this and i'm going to set myself a challenge for 100 days i'm going to do that oh you know whatever it is you've always been good at that and i remember starting this year thinking do you know what i want to get i want to learn a bit more of the guitar and stuff like that so i thought I'm going to put myself out there doing it on TikTok, even though you're opening yourself up to criticism, you're opening yourselves up mm -hmm. to anything that can happen. But there's an element where you just kind of have to, you get to get over yourself sometimes and you've mm -hmm. got to sort of put yourself out there to, to get up to, to, to that next level. Because I know even with that, you know, with my one TikTok for, for, for um, the guitar, how I think about my business and how my brain works create, creatively, it will spurn idea it will generate ideas which i might be able to use for glass mountain so it's it's all about i mean it's a creative endeavor which you don't know what else is going to fuel like that. man that's a that, there's a whole other topic we could explore i'm telling you just create creating the content itself spurs new ideas it absolutely it does and and it for me i've seen it uh, creating the videos gives me new podcast ideas it gives me new blog post ideas it gives like everything benefits uh training ideas because now i'm working on a training for short form video yeah so yeah it's true well thanks so much again my friend joel for joining today um I'm, we've got to bring you back sometime you, you'll have to get the tab next time though 
I certainly will. I certainly will. I'm sure. I'm sure we're not going to be short of topics to talk about as as well. And I'll I'll bring. Now you've set the bar for the fancy beer. I'm going to have a different fancy beer. It's not not particularly fancy, though. It really isn't. That was a fancy can. That was really (laughs) dandy. That was. I like. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you have any questions, want to share your feedback, let me know, info at johnloomer.com. Make sure you leave a, a, a review, subscribe, do whatever, wherever you listen or watch. It's, like, everywhere now. So thanks again. Until next time, do awesome things. I'm out.